Hey Life Canton, Merry Christmas. So glad that you're here, whether you're a returning listener or a brand new one. Either way, be sure to fill out a connect card because we believe that you belong in this holiday season. We want to get you plugged into a church body. So fill one of those out on our church center app or on our website so we can get you connected, answer any questions you may have, and just reach out. Um, also, if you're looking for opportunities to participate in what God is doing in the community, one of those ways is by supporting this church. Uh, we believe God has called us to a 10-year vision um, in which he's going to get really busy in the community and in our church. So if you want to be a part of that, uh, again, one of the ways is by giving uh, generously to support the mission of this church. So you can do that again on our church center app uh, or on our website at our uh, forward slash give page. Uh, what you're about to hear our Christmas Eve message uh, where Pastor Nathan talked about um, hope real hope. I uh, hope that sustains us in the holiday seasons, um, in the good times and the bad. So give that a listen. I'll catch up with you in just a moment. Oh, I'm so glad that you are here with us, even though we, we got so excited we made the power trip. Uh, that's always good. Um, I'm going to take these off. These are fun. They have the hipster prescription, which is Nothing, but if anyone wants some, uh, I have some for you. But Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, we'll try that one more time. And the kids, I want to hear you too. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Merry Christmas. And by the way, if you have kids in here, they are going to be kids, and that's okay. I give, uh, I'm just going to speak blanketly over all of us that we will all be fine because having kids in the room is a beautiful thing. So parents, do not feel bad. They are here, and we want them to be here. So everyone who's a mother, yes, you can now clap for that. If you're a mother or a father who's like, just, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I have three children, and they are all extremely loud people because I, I had them, and they're just me. So just relax. I'm glad that you are here. In fact, I believe that even with our kids in here, it's not going to stop us from experiencing what God has for us tonight. In fact, it's going to enhance it because this message is for everyone. This message is for every single person in this room. So I'm glad that you are here. We have a code here. One is you belong, and I just talked about it. No matter who you are, if you're a kid, old, you belong, feel comfortable here. The second is encounter Jesus. We believe that when you encounter the living God, things change in your life. This week, before this uh, catastrophe of a storm came in, I was sitting upstairs. I have a habit of praying for an hour every day, and I create this uh, playlist that allows me to just check out, listen to the music, pray. And I don't have to worry about how long I've been praying. When the music's over, I'm done. And I was sitting upstairs. And upstairs, we have these reflective windows. And we're right next to trees outside the front. And I was able to sit there inches away from this tree. That's, you know, completely barren at this point. And there were four robins out there, jumping around, hopping, and moving. And I saw them, and I was drawn to them and watching them. And I couldn't help but think to myself, stupid birds. What are you doing? What are you doing out there? There's nothing on those trees for you. It's time for you to go somewhere and hibernate whatever you do. To be fair, that glass is reflective. So when we're talking or in a meeting, very often we hear, dunk, and there's some bird that falls down. So they're not smart beings. However, however, in this moment, 
I was listening to a song called Jaira, which means provider. It's a very famous song right now among Christian circles. And it's talking about how God is our provider. And the part of this song says this, as he watches over every sparrow, how much more does he love you? How much more does he love you? As he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more does he love you? And I'm watching these birds and I'm realizing that although I think that the tree is barren, there are these tiny berries that they are eating. And of those moments where I could see God providing, that though the trees I thought were barren and dead, they provided provision for these sparrows. And the next moment, I was drawn in my prayer to set the playlist down, which is rare for me, and to pull up The Chosen, which is an amazing TV series that had just released its third season. It's about the life of Jesus Christ. And I hadn't started watching it. And God said, hey, watch this. So I opened it up, and I started to watch. And Jesus opens in this series at the first episode with the Sermon on the Mount, which is the exact place that this song had derived its words. Jesus spoke, do not be anxious about your life, for your heavenly Father will provide. He spoke, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than them? Who, by worrying, can add an hour to their life? Those three things kind of came together and kind of overwhelmed me. You know, I've been blessed to grow in this understanding that God is speaking to us in nature, that God is speaking to us in the word of God through Jesus and his words and through song and artistry. And in this moment, they all kind of came together. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm like weeping because God is like speaking to me and saying, I will provide. I am with you. And I think that God was saying, now this is your sermon. This is what you need to bring to my people, that I am with them. Out of barrenness, God creates hope. What I want you to know today is that out of barrenness, God creates hope. We just finished a series called Emmanuel, uh, God with us. And so I believe that God is here and he wants to speak to us. And that is what we're celebrating today. Matthew 6.25 is the exact passage that comes up when we talk about the Sermon on the Mount. The person we're celebrating is Jesus. In Matthew 6.25, it says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, which is mostly what I worry about every single day. What am I eating next? (laughs) Or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You are so valuable to God. He cares for you so much. The anxiety of the world is not your inheritance. Worry is not what he has for you. Verse 27, emphasize it by saying, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Which some of you said, yes, I can. Because if I worry about everything that can go wrong, then I can extend life by not running into trouble. There's another translation that seemed to fight this, uh, where they said, can anyone, by worrying, 
add an inch to your height? And the answer to that one is absolutely not. Our world, though, is one of worry, where we do not trust that the future is secure. What have we seen about the last three years that confirms that our future, no matter how much we worry or plan, is not secure? That our money, our family, our relationships are at risk and will not always be there. That is what the world has to offer us. I spoke to someone last week who does not yet believe or follow Jesus. He spoke to me about the dread that he often feels. That if tragedy would strike his family, something bad, he didn't know what he would do. And he works hard to ensure that all would be well, but he is unsure if he personally would be able to handle it should something happen to him. That is the way of this world. That is the way of our circumstances. But God is with us. He creates hope out of seemingly barren places in this life. He provides like he does for the robin, for the sparrow, for the flowers and the lilies of the field. And Christmas is about the birth of that hope. The man who preached what we just read, the Sermon on the Mount, we celebrate his birth today and tomorrow. We celebrate the hope that he would provide. That trust and hope rises when we remember and celebrate this day. So thank you for being here to celebrate with me. I want to talk about that word hope. Often uh, we use hope like the world does. And, and the common understanding of hope is that a certain set of expectations or circumstances would come to pass. Meaning, I hope that traffic is light. I hope that I get a raise. I hope fill in the blank. Hope is defined that I want something or expect something to turn out the way I would like. But hope didn't mean this always. It has morphed and changed in archaic terms or in old terms. In the Bible's terms, the old meaning of hope means a feeling, a presence in your heart of trust. And it is a gift more precious than a fat bank account or things turning out the way you want. It is a settled assurance, settled assurance that no matter what happens, no matter what comes your way, what we cannot see, we are able to trust that all will be provided not by us, but by our Heavenly Father. Now, hope rises. That's what we learn when we interact with Jesus. But I want to talk about the Christmas story and talk about how hope has risen out of barren places. First, as you may have heard or know, Jesus came from a town called Nazareth. And Nazareth was not a great place. They called it a disregarded valley in a despised province of a conquered land. They had a phrase, and it was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This was an idiom. It was a way of explaining things. I want you to think about us trash talk right there. If someone was from Nazareth, you're like, oh my gosh, they're from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of that place? You fill in the blank. A place you hate or dislike. Can anything good come out of Ohio? Can anything good <laughs> come out of Ann Arbor? You know, fill in the blank. <laughs> fill in the blank. It was a phrase, but Jesus... God chose for Jesus to be born in 
Nazareth. And the hope for us that rises out of this is that you may feel unremarkable, unseen, or judged by your financial status, the part of the country that you live in, or the part of this area that you live in, or which school. I don't know about you, but uh, when I was growing up, we looked down on other schools. We did. We used to say, oh, that's a terrible school. That's a terrible school in high school. And maybe that you students as well. We're like, well, I went to this school. I went to this elementary. I went to this middle school. Maybe you went to the ones that people make fun of. Our world is not defined by equal signs, but less than or greater than signs. We are constantly comparing, and yet Jesus chose the backwater to bring hope. Hope rose out of Nazareth. It wasn't done yet. Out of a disgraced couple. Luke 2, one, uh, Luke 2, 5 says this. He went there to register with Mary. This is Joseph. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, that should cue you in to something. They were pledged to be married, and yet they hadn't consummated the marriage yet because Mary was with child. Back then, this is a disgrace. Mary had conceived through the Holy Spirit. And back then, that would have meant if she was pregnant, and, and it was somebody who gave, made her pregnant, not God. And so Joseph, who was engaged to her, should have divorced her, could have done it publicly for shaming him, for cheating on him. But we know that the Holy Spirit is the one who did the work. And Joseph was told in a dream by an angel, no, this is of me. And so now their couple is disgraced. In some accountings, when they show up to the inn, you know that phrase, there was no room for them in the inn, and so they had to stay in the stable? Well, some are believing that actually they went to family, and family said, no, you guys need to go away, because you are disgraced. You are disgraced. Even though God was working through them, they were seen as a disgraced couple. And the hope for us is that your family may not be a picture-perfect ideal of relationships. Maybe you've experienced divorce or infighting. Maybe you're experiencing right now lies, estrangement, adultery. The good news is that the Bible is full of those people. In fact, we see the lineage of Jesus, who Jesus chose to be born into, was full of liars, deceivers, adulterers, prostitutes, you name it. And yet God used them to bring hope. So God brings hope out of the disgraced. Hope rises out of the disgraced. Not only that, they were Jewish people. Back then, Jewish people were seen as backward. They were an oppressed people. They were pushed down. They were not seen as progressive or enlightened. Backward I'll then say, you only have one God? You only have one God? Well, what good is he? Because if your God was supposed to protect your lands and they were destroyed. And I find hope in this. I find hope that Jesus chose an oppressed people. You might not be appreciated. Your people might not be appreciated. You might be from other lands and you're a foreigner here. You might be judged by the accent that you have or the color of your skin. But hope rose out of the oppressed. And then we know that they were in a stable. 
out of a lowly stable. Luke 2, 6 through 7 says this. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Who doesn't give a guest room to a pregnant mother? That's a question. Born in a stable. Kids, are you in the room? Are you still there? Did I lose you yet? If you got you, yeah, you're there. Awesome. Who would you love to have come to your house? The most important person you can imagine. Who would it be? Maybe it's your favorite character on TV. Maybe it's the president. What is it? Who would you want to come to your house? Imagine they told you they're coming. They're coming. What would you do? Well, you'd probably make something for them and you'd clean the house or at least try to. And if you had something that just needed to be fixed for months, you'd get it fixed. And also, it would probably smell amazing in your house because it was clean. Now, a stable is not clean. Do you know what are in stables? Animals. And animals do not smell very good, especially what comes out of animals. What comes out of them is very stinky. And you don't just have one kind. You have many kinds of animals with many kinds of unique aromas mixing together or something that is not pleasant. A manger itself is the opposite of beautiful. It's dirty, dank, musty, and dark. And yet God, the king of the world, the most important person you could ever imagine, came to that low place, that stinky place. That is such a gift to know, that even though it was lowly, God came. Not only that, for the Jewish people, it was unclean. If you were in the manger doing the things that they had to do, you would not be allowed into the presence of God in the temple until you had atoned. What great grace and news for us. You may feel like you don't have enough, that you are lowly. You may feel clean. You may feel unclean or broken. Your spirit, the spirit inside of you coming in here may feel low, especially because it's Christmas time. We're here with cookies and, and ridiculous glasses and loud colors and joy and flowers and all these kinds of things. What? To celebrate, to have joy. And yet for you, you might not feel joy because this might be the first or the 10th or the 20th Christmas without your loved one, without your child, without your spouse, without your grandma. So this can be a bitter season. You can have this sense that not all is well. In fact, it's hard. But the beautiful thing is that hope rises out of the lowly. Isaiah 57, 15 is a prophecy about Jesus. And it speaks to this. And it says this, for this is what the high and exalted is. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and low in spirit. What does that mean? Contrite means humbled. Someone who has been humbled, maybe even humiliated. Those who are humble, those who are low in spirit. He says, I go to them. Why? Why? To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite, of the humbled. 
God is not with the arrogant, but with the lowly, with the humbled. My question is, have you been brought low? God is with you. Have you been humiliated? Then God is with you. Have you been humbled? God is with you. Emmanuel, God with us. You may ask me, what hope is there when you lose your job? What hope is there when your spouse dies? What hope is there when the cancer comes? Is it a hope that circumstances will be different? In some cases, it's done. There is no change. This hope that things someday will be better is hollow at best. But Christ's hope, Emmanuel, is that God is with you through all of those things and a hope that someday things will be better when he remakes all in his image. The news today for you is he will revive your heart, that he will revive your spirit and hope will rise in you again. Hope is rising in you. Luke 2, 8, we see this hope begin to rise as we see that there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keep watch flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. He was sent to the broken, to the hurting, to the humble, to the contrite. The God of glory surrounded them. Can you imagine the light? Can you imagine that moment, the overwhelming nature of it? Can you imagine who he came to? He came to shepherds. They were the lowliest. They were the ones out in the middle of nowhere. They were backward and down and out. And he came to them first. His message was one of hope. A trust, a feeling of trust that God will not leave us where we're at, but that he is with us. And what was this message in verse 11? Today in the town of David, Luke 2.11 says this, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. Three things, Savior. He is the Savior. We have all fallen short of a right way of living. We've missed the mark. We have done things that have broken others. We have sinned, and we have this weight of debt that we owe to others and to God through our actions. And without intervention, the cost of this weight that we cannot pay is death, eternal death. But Christ, but Christ didn't stay a baby. He grew to become the greatest teacher of all time, and he was killed, as was always his plan. His plan to take our sin and to pay for it, to revive us, to be with us. But he wasn't just Savior. He was Messiah. He was Messiah, fully God and fully man. The only way that it would work. Thank you. He was fully God and fully man. The only way it could work was if this was the case. Only he could do it. He is the one who leads us into a promise. The Messiah lead us into a promised eternity. He leads us out. He is our hope. But finally, he is Lord. And this is the one where we struggle with it. We love the baby Jesus. We love the baby Jesus who's the Savior, the light of the world. But we can't imagine what it means 
that he is Lord. Lord means that our obedience to him is demanded. Our obedience to him is our contribution. That because of what he has done for us, we serve him. And we follow him. And things change. Hope rises out of barren places. Emmanuel, God with us. And God is here with you. I want you to take note of what God is going to say to you in these next moments. I believe that he is speaking to each one of you, that you are not here by accident, but that God had a word for you. I want to take you back to the Robins. I want to take you back to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is saying, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. It's amazing that we can trust him in that. Matthew six thirty-two. These things, what we have to worry about, dominate, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. Because he is Savior, because he is Messiah, because he is Lord, you can trust him. And hope rises in you when you put your trust in him. That no matter what comes your way, the light shines inside of you. How do we do this? Matthew six thirty three. he tells us in his sermon, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Hope rises out of despair and barrenness because a light has been given to us in Christ. Seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness brings hope, this feeling of trust in every unlikely, barren, jacked up, shame-filled and despairing situation because he is God and he is good. Hope does something to you. It makes you bold. I know that I sometimes am not bold. I am tired and weary and I'm overwhelmed at times, but hope makes you bold because it's God's provision that you are looking for, not your own. You are looking for what God is going to do. Hope is this feeling of trust and belief in God, trust and belief in him. I believe when we worship, that when we pray, then when we speak, that hope rises. And I hear hope rising in our church. For those of you who are visitors here, I hear hope rising that we will see God move in a new way. This roar of this internal voice that is speaking out that God is going to show up, that God is going to move, and that it will be something that will change the world. Hope gives you a light a light that shines into the darkness. People can see hope in you. Now, when everything seems to be falling apart, it's not that you are unaware or that you don't have sadness. You just know that your God, that your father, that your daddy is taking care of you. As we close, as we get ready to demonstrate this light, I want to give you some action steps, some things that you can do to step into hope. I want to encourage you in this next week, to encounter Jesus in moments of quiet, to steal away from all of the festivities and think about what God has done and remind yourself that he is provider. Students, 
Do you know that you have the ability to love people, especially those around you, better than most of us? When we get older as adults, we have found these ways to build up all of these defenses so that no one can speak to us. Some of us have been through so much that the idea of hope can't penetrate. But do you know, students, that right now, all of the people around you, and you may even feel this way, they're broken, they're hurting, they're in pain. They don't see a lot of hope in their parents. They don't see a lot of hope in this world. They don't see a lot of hope in our economy, in our politics, or anything. And they be asking the question, what good is it to even be here? But you, you can speak hope to them. You can say encouraging words to them. You can say to them, Look, listen, it's gonna be okay. There's someone who cares and loves, loves you. And that he is your father. At this church, we have a vision, a 10-year vision. And the first one, uh, the second part of it is this. We want to bear the torch, the light of Christ's justice and love. We want to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. Christmas is all about his love and his justice. And we want to bear that into our community. This light that changes things, it changes the world. So as a reminder, just lighting this candle to say that God's light has entered in the world. It can't be snuffed out. Even if this wax runs out, it doesn't mean it's over. But that's what we want to do. Each of us taking our candle into the world and changing things. I want to give you an opportunity to share the hope of God, the light of God into the surrounding areas. It's all of what we do at this church. I want to talk to you about being the provision for others. Give so that you can bless others. And I want us as a church to lead the way. We have a church that we partner with. It's called Auburn Hills. Auburn Hills is a, a great place. Uh, anyone ever been to Auburn Hills out there? Yeah, there's a great church out there. It's a, and, and what's going on in that church? Uh, we're partnered with them. They were meeting in a boys and girls club. And the boys and girls club, they decided that they were going to leave that building and sell it. And so they had all of these programs for the family and the people in the community. And they were meeting in that church, Auburn Hills, was, or in that building. And now it's being, uh, you know, that service is being moved. And this church has such a heart. Auburn Hills has such a heart. Don Earl um, has such a heart, Pastor Don Earl, to reach the community, to love them. They're a multi-ethnic uh, church. It's incredible what they want to do. They want to serve and care for people. And so Don Earl doesn't get discouraged. He doesn't see barrenness. He sees opportunity. And so he comes together and says, no, we're going to be that for the community. We're going to create our own programs. We're going to create these after-school opportunities, and we're going to go into the community and serve them and love them. It's an amazing thing, and the Auburn Hills Life Center will be launching next year. And these are amazing moments where they're going to be able to speak life and bring maybe just a tiny light into someone's life so that they can experience the hope that transforms the world. And so we want to lead in that generosity. And as it begins to raise funds, we wanted to be one of the first people as a church. And so I wanted to let you know that this church has donated $10,000 to the beginning of the Life Center. And it's a beautiful thing that God is going to do. And so in a way, we are helping them as they light their candle and bring light into the world. You know, this year has been really hard for us financially as a church, but we will be generous even when we struggle because we demonstrate trust in God. 
And when we see that there is a need in our community to share the light of Jesus Christ, we meet that need. And out of that heart, I want to call you, even if you're a guest, at whatever level, to invest in what we're doing here so that we can do more of that. I want to be a church that gives so much away. And though we're struggling right now, we will still trust and hope in God. So will you invest in that? I'll tell you how to do that at the very end. I don't want to make this a huge pitch or anything. I just believe so strongly that we are bearing something new, justice and love in our community. And to not ask everyone to be part of it is to limit their ability to experience, invest in, and be part of what the kingdom is doing. So will you invest and give? But there's one more candle I want to talk about. And maybe that's you. This candle represents the first half. And as we close, I want to share the first half of our vision, which is to reclaim your identity in Jesus. We believe that Jesus came as a baby into this world to the lowliest, to the broken, to the oppressed, to the backwards, first to come to the lowly, the oppressed, the backwards, the disgraced, the hurting, because Isaiah 57, 15 was always about these moments, the moments that continue to this day where he grew up and became a man who died so that you might have life and true hope. And so I'm calling you today to reclaim your identity in Jesus that was stolen from many of us before we were even born. This hope and truth that we were to live in. And we're going to do that in a moment. And I want you to consider, are you in this moment going to choose to follow Jesus? Maybe you haven't been to church in a very long time and you're like, I don't remember when I gave my life to Jesus or if I did. But today, today is your day. Why? Why? So that hope this feeling of trust can be your inheritance. So that worry is not your inheritance from the world, but that trust that God has you would be the way you live your life, a peace that goes beyond understanding. So what I'd like you to do is close your eyes. And I want to pray over us. Two things I'm going to pray. One, one that God would speak to us in this moment and challenge some of us to be faithful, to demonstrate our hope in him. God, may some of us demonstrate our hope, our feeling of trust in you as Jaira, as provider, and believe that we are there to also spread that light into the world. And do that by investing in this church, by going out to the students in our community, by loving those around us so that they can have this hope that we have found. But there are those of us who need to find Jesus for the first time to add their light. And so God, I pray that those would speak to you now. That you're in the room, you are with us, Emmanuel. And so God, I pray that they would speak, that you would speak to their hearts and that they would respond to you. They would say something like this, God, I am broken I need a savior, someone to rescue me from what I have done. God, I need a Messiah, someone to lead me into eternity, to lead me into new life, to lead me into hope. And that was your son, Jesus. So I accept him today. But finally, God, Jesus is Lord. And so I'll lay down my ways, my thoughts, about how I should live 
and pick up yours. Not to earn anything, but to show my gratitude to the Savior and light of the world. And in so doing, God, I add my light to the light of those around us. I add my hope to the hope of those around us. God, as we imagine the moment in the manger where you came down to us and we hold our lights high, I pray that you would let hope rise in your people, that you would let hope rise in the hearts, that you would let this feeling of trust rise so much that it spills out into a world who is anxious and weary and dark. Well, I hope you are encouraged that uh, this holiday season um, you feel the hope of Jesus, uh, the love of God, and everything uh, that you need to, su- to sustain you uh, in this season and in the seasons ahead. Uh, again, we would love for you to get connected to the church, so fill out a connect card. Also, if you have any prayer requests, uh, be sure to also still fill out the connect card because that's going to be a way for us to uh, be able to pray for you and know what to pray for. So. Uh, go ahead and fill one of those out and I hope you have a blessed holiday season a Merry Christmas and we will see you back uh, in person in uh, two weeks